Welcome into this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Lav, soon to be joined by Rex. It is Masters Sunday. We are doing this live at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. I just filed like 2,500 words. Rex wrote something about Texas. Uh, We'll go uh, deeper into what we filed for GolfChannel.com. Uh, and break down everything, including Scotty Scheffler's resounding victory, the world number one, getting it done at Augusta National. Roy McElroy with what I will call a Wikipedia good finish uh, of runner-up. Cam Smith blowing his chance. And oh yeah, Tiger Woods returned to competitive golf for the first time in 17 months. Uh, and we'll have all the reaction to that as well. But first... The new Chrome Soft golf balls from Callaway are better for the best and better for everyone. This new family is available in Chrome Soft, Chrome Soft X, and Chrome Soft XLS. Each of these golf ball offerings incorporates the company's proprietary new precision technology for the tightest dispersions, consistently fast ball speeds, and total performance. And of course, they deliver the soft, responsive feel and control that players love. These new balls are available now. And you can head over to CallawayGolf.com to see which Chrome Soft is right for you. Rex, I could probably use uh, potentially a dozen Chrome Soft balls because, yeah, I play in Augusta National on Monday morning. Tea time is at 9.10. I am not to arrive even a second early, uh, earlier than 8.10, or I will be escorted off the grounds or potentially told to just park in the Kroger uh, across the street. Are you happy for me? Are you happy that I get to have a second spin around Augusta National? Oh, I'm so excited. I am so excited for you. And you were so grumpy. I, I don't want to portray. Grumpy is not the right word. You were. Like as soon as you got pulled. App- apprehensive is the correct word. I am happy that I'm the one that told you that you got pulled in the lottery. When you sat down, you'd been out, I don't know, trapsing or trapsing. Reporting. The- reporting. Yes. Let's, let's go with Reporting. That. Sure. Traipsing around the golf course when you came in, I told you I was so happy for you. And your response was, and I'm going to say this, and I hope that everyone ratios you on Twitter. Oh, I hit it so bad on Sunday at Palmetto. That was your immediate response. That's not true. I did. I I did hit it bad. I did not hit it that bad. I actually, that's actually one of the better rounds uh, that I've played at Palmetto. For those who don't know, Rex and I always play the Sunday before the Masters. Uh, that is one of my favorite traditions uh, in all of golf. You have you have the, the green jacket ceremony. You have uh, the Open Championship and all the great honor and tradition that goes on there. This is our this is our little tradition. It's playing what is normally a very quiet, peaceful round uh, the Sunday before, the Sunday afternoon. Uh, it is too a great time had year. by too all. Too busy. Too many people. Uh, too, it really was. I feel like it's not a hidden gem anymore. Uh, but I ripped, but I ripped like a 350 yard drive on the first, uh, I think I made a couple of birdies. We got in 16 holes. That was actually one of the better rounds that I played at Palmetto, which to me is a really difficult golf course, especially and why weren't you happy when I told you of the of apprehensive your news. Okay. I, I was apprehensive for a couple of reasons. First time, the first reason, uh, I played Augusta national in 2012, 10 year anniversary uh, of that round hit it horribly hit it absolutely atrociously i mean i i chipped out six or seven times they say it's it's a super forgiving golf course 
uh, from the member tee, which is about 6,200, 6,300 yards. Uh, I was finding all sorts of trouble. Could not have played worse. Uh, and yet I got up and down the last uh, to shoot 89. But I walked off that golf course kind of pissed off. Like, <laughs> man, I had an opportunity to shoot a good round today, and I feel like I blew it. And, you know, it is technically a lottery. Uh, it's a quote-unquote lottery, I would call it. Uh, because is it not? Are you saying it's not? I, I, think, your... I, think, it's, I think it's skewed to the first time or certainly uh, and potentially um, some, some media partners. Uh, however, you, you know, you don't know. Uh, nothing's guaranteed in this business or in this life. That may have been the only time that I get to play Augusta National. And so that was a little annoyed by that. I'm apprehensive, Rex, because, A, I screwed up last time. And, B, this is going to be my third round of – 2022 i mean i'm not in good form uh i feel like i i i could have trended better uh i haven't been working on my game Uh, i think my um how should i say this my appetite for a new driver has been well stated uh nine and a half degrees stiff shaft uh still waiting for that one to come in the mail it has not yet uh arrived however and so sure uh my play off the tee it's certainly a, a, a big concern heading into Monday's round. I think you're worried about the wrong stuff. I think you need to lower your expectations and just enjoy what is probably going to be your last round of Augusta. And I'm not even saying that to be mean. I'm just saying that to that's be dire. That's, that's, that is dire. No, 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 no. I'm not even saying it's the way this works out is you're going to play tomorrow and he's not allowed back into the lottery to use the third person for seven years. And so imagine where you're going to be seven years from now. You're going to have a, a semi-grown daughter and a semi-grown son. You're going to have so many other things going on in your world. I didn't even sign up for the lottery this year, and, and I, was, I was able to. It's That's been just sad. Than- That's just sad. I got to go home. I got, I got lacrosse games. I got things. I got my, my anniversary. My 22nd anniversary was today. There's so many things I need to go So was my birthday. Now. Happy birthday, by the way. There was, I, I know. Happy, I, I happy, of, happy anniversary. I, I kind of glossed over that. Enjoy it. Go out and embrace the day. Lower your expectations and just take in the floor and the fauna and enjoy it for what it is. It's one of the most magical rounds in all of golf. Quit being this person. So just to be clear, uh, since everyone is replying, oh, my God, you're so lucky. I'm so jealous. I would literally kill someone. Uh, please don't uh, for an opportunity to play at Augusta National. You have you had I should say you had an opportunity to potentially play. And you didn't even enter. I didn't. Say, yeah. say, say that again. You had an opportunity to potentially play Augusta National, and you did not even try. I've missed too many lacrosse games this season, and we start the playoffs on Monday. I want to be home for that. I'm going to drive home first thing tomorrow morning. It's, I, not even, I, it's not even supposed to be a good playoff game. You're not a coach. You're not a player. You're I'm not, not a, a coach. Manager. I want to be there you don't, for myself. You don't, bring, I, you don't bring orange slices. No, I've missed too many of those games. And also, as I mentioned, my 22nd wedding anniversary. And so I made uh, dinner reservations for Tuesday night. So there's, I got things going on. I, I made life decisions. So don't take this out on me. All I'm saying is that we have now spoken for five minutes and haven't mentioned either Scotty Scheffler or Tiger Woods. So let's get to it. I think I mentioned them in the beginning. Uh, first <laughs> of all, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have missed so many important life moments if you weren't covering the RSMs and the Houston Opens and the Wells Fargos. Why don't you be a little bit more selective with your tournament schedule, and then you won't be missing out potentially on an opportunity to play at Augusta National. Is that, is that a fair criticism? That's what I want to do. At 1037 on Masters Sunday evening, start second-guessing my life decisions. Scotty Scheffler, where, get where, to it. 
age age 54 where did it all go wrong uh rex i am clicking on your story as we speak you filed what about 45 minutes ago this thing is live uh, and up to date scotty scheffler colon the newest addition to texas's illustrious history at augusta national what did you write and why I thought it was fascinating that there is no connection to Texas. Like, there is no birthright for Texans to play this tournament, right? I mean, Bobby Jones wasn't from Dallas. He never considered the Hill Country for this venerable club. I mean, all of the things you could sit and think about, there is no real connection. But once you start connecting the dots, there are 10 champions of the Masters that have come from Texas. They've won 19 of these masters of the 86 that had been played, there was a real connection there. And it started with Byron Nelson and it went to Ben Hogan and then Jimmy Demerit. And you keep going and that lineage goes all the way through Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed and now Scotty Scheffler. And I'm just fascinated by the idea that there's something to the Texans grit. There's something to the idea that they learn to play the game in every possible condition. And we had all four seasons this week. It started out, rainy and wet and nasty there was tornado warnings i've never seen you more exciting excited because we were getting weather warnings and that's when you're at your absolute best and then it transitioned to warm and it felt like summer and then by the time we got to saturday it was freezing cold you and i were both miserable and then sunday was absolutely perfect so i think all of those things make it's the exact same way if you grew up in texas i talked to patrick reed about it this afternoon that Look, that's how we play golf back home. You, you play golf in all of these different conditions. And I'm just fascinated. I, I had a chance to talk to Ben Crenshaw, who is a two-time champion. He's the MC of the Champions Dinner. And I asked him, every Champions Dinner is special. But when Jordan Spieth won, the year after he won in 2016, and he immediately cut me off. And it was like, oh, my. Like, it meant so much to him. And I think there's a Texas lineage that a lot of us – sort of don't understand because there's something about this tournament that's tied to Texas and Scotty's just the next step in that. going to put you on the spot real quick. Scotty Scheffler has followed, uh, I would say one of the most popular players uh, in the world of golf with Jordan Spieth, Jordan Spieth, double digit wins in the PGA tour uh, currently sitting at three major championships has not won one uh, in nearly five years. Scotty Scheffler has now ripped off, Four wins, including a major Four and six, in right? the past eight weeks. Who has a better career? The Texan of quote unquote old and Jordan Spieth or the new blood, Scotty Scheffler? We had so much fun tonight. And Randy Smith is Scotty Scheffler's coach. And I've been friends with Randy and I've known Randy professionally for a long time. And you and I both asked him interesting questions in sort of the post round scrum my question was where does scotty fit into this texas legacy and he was really 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 quick to almost dismiss me saying that he's not there yet he's no ben hogan he's no byron nelson he's no jordan speed even i mean to go so far as that and then he stopped and he smiled and he goes but he's heading in that direction and there's and he feels like he can get there no he's not there yet and i know what you're asking me when when everything is said and done who's going to have the better career that one's hard for me because jordan's at such a weird spot right now in his career and scotty seems to be on such a bender i mean it's amazing what he's done really over the last i mean you you put it in weeks i did it in starts so it's he's won four of his last six starts if i got that correct right yeah it's four of his last six 
it, it, that, that one's tough for me because I feel like we're being a prisoner of the moment by saying Scotty Scheffler. And certainly he is playing unbelievable golf and his lead now in the world ranking as, as the number one player in the world is amazing. But I still think there's something to be said for what Jordan Spieth has done in his career. I mean, he was eyeing the single season grand slam at one point in his career. So I, I don't know if I'm willing to really put him over Scotty Scheffler at this particular point. Uh, I'm not ready to either. And but I do, I do find them both fascinating in, in different ways. I think Jordan Spieth is the ultimate roller coaster ride while Scotty Scheffler, I think we're still learning about him. I, I you know, he was the number one junior player. Uh, he was kind of injured and dealing with some swing issues in college. Uh, and now he's kind of developing into the player who, the people like Jordan Spieth who have known him now for the better part of two decades, kind of, he's, he's kind of realizing all of the potential that they saw all those years ago. And I'm, and I'm, I'm excited to, to learn more about Scotty uh, in the future. Tiger has always talked about how players these days need to capitalize on the hot streaks that they have. John Rahm clearly had a hot streak in summer of 2021, and he ended up winning the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. That was his last victory uh, on the PGA Tour. Colin Morikawa uh, has had a hot streak uh, for basically a year, year and a half, uh, and he was able to net two major championships. I certainly don't think he's done uh, at the age of 24. Patrick Cantlay got hot last fall, took advantage, won a FedEx Cup. What I think we're seeing now is Scotty Scheffler riding a wave. Is he a dominant figure in the world of golf for the next five or 10 years? I don't know. I think the game probably has more parity than we've seen, uh, I guess, in recent history. Uh, but that's not to dismiss any of his accomplishments. Scotty is doing exactly what you'd hope you would do, that he was peaking heading into the major championships. And then as the world number one, even though he, if he was overshadowed by Tiger this week, at Augusta National as the world number one. It's still pretty rare. I believe he's just the fourth player uh, to uh, win the Masters as the world number one. He went out and got it done and capitalized uh, on this hot streak. That's what you want to do. That's what you hope to do. And I think, you know, kind of the, the top has been taken off the defense and Scotty Scheffler uh, can go as deep as his ambition will allow him to. Well, and I thought it was interesting, and I asked you, because you covered him as a junior in, in college and amateur golf, if you saw this coming. Did you see world number one? Did you see this run that he was on? And you were honest. You, were, you said, that I, I saw him winning maybe 10 times on the PGA Tour. You certainly saw the talent. You saw the dedication, everything that goes into that. It was hard. What you told me, and I'm paraphrasing, at the time was, no, I didn't see world number one. And I think that's fair because other people I've talked to who are have Scotty been didn't even see world number one. Well, like Will Zalatoris. I asked him today what Scotty was like in high school and goofy was the first words out of his mouth. I mean, he was a bit of a goofball back then. He wore long pants because he, you know, he wanted to imitate pros and it was 110 degrees at junior tournaments. And he was doing kind of all of these weird things. I find it fascinating now that this player who less than a year ago, we probably would have been on this exact same podcast talking about what does Scotty have to figure out to get it done? I mean, I remember specifically being at the Houston open. I was covering that event, as you pointed out, as an event that I probably should have on my schedule as a father and someone that needs to be dedicated to nope. my children. That you could have he took one took lead into that. 
Uh, I could have, but I have plenty of family time coming up this week, so I'm not really worried about it. He he took a one-stroke lead into that final round and didn't get it done. And I thought that was going to be it. I thought, okay, this is going to put him over the top. I find it fascinating that somehow between then, the Houston Open, and where we find ourselves now, that not, he not only has become a dominant player, but he's become a dominant player by a long shot. I, I glanced at the world ranking tonight. It's almost three average ranking points, which is Tiger-esque. I mean, at, at his best, that's what he was leading the world by. I mean, no one was even close. And suddenly he has jumped into this commanding lead. Which is amazing because two months ago, the Saturday of the Phoenix Open, that was two months ago, that was Super Bowl's, Super Bowl Saturday. He did not yet have a victory uh, on the PGA Tour. And now he is uh, the decisive uh, world number one. Just goes to show you uh, how quickly fortunes uh, can change in this game. So I, I think the question, if we do radio inter- interviews this week, and I've been shunning all of them, uh, apologies to any uh, radio hosts who may be listening to this, uh, whose Big request time. I have ignored. The question we're going to get asked most is, how did this happen? Where did it come from? Scotty himself, I'm not sure, has a great answer for this. I certainly look to the influence of Ted Scott, who was on the bag uh, for both of Bubba Watson's Masters victories in 2012 uh, and again in 2014. They hooked up in the fall after he was contemplating retirement. I think it was the RSM that was their first tournament together. And ever since then, if you can look at the results, like they have absolutely been uh, on the fast track to success. Sky Scheffler's putting uh, has substantially improved. When I talked to Randy Smith about this, he said he basically just practiced. He put more time and dedication, got more comfortable with the stroke, Uh, and that has paid off. He's always been a great scrambler. Uh, He's always been a great shot maker. Uh, And Augusta National, of course, uh, is the perfect canvas uh, for all of that shot making. Other than that, I mean, this is just a dude who's boiling over with confidence now. I mean, winning begets winning, right? Like you do it once, uh, you know that you can do it again. What I did find interesting, Rex, and I I do want to read this quote because we were both uh, standing in the back of the interview room uh, at Augusta National. You and I both looked at each other like, what did he just say? And we both started scribbling is what we did. But it was so it was so shocking to hear a player of Scheffler's ca- uh, caliber who was, who was in this position. He was up by three shots after 54-hole whole leads, and a reporter asked him a seemingly innocuous question about how he spent last night. He, he kind of talked about how he was just going to get food and – and watch the office and, you know, what he did to kill time before his 2.50 uh, p.m. Uh, tea time. And he said, you know, last night was fine. I spilled my food. That kind of pissed me off. And then we just kind of <laughs> hung out and relaxed. Sunday morning, quote, was a totally different story. How, how different was the story, Rex? Quote, I cried like a baby this morning. I was so stressed out. I didn't know what to do. I was sitting there telling Meredith, his wife, I don't think I'm ready for this. I'm not ready. I don't feel like I'm ready for this kind of stuff. And I just felt overwhelmed. Wow. A lot of people say, Sky Scheffler, great player, nice guy, not that interesting. That was easily the most interesting revelation I have ever heard from Scotty Scheffler. And that eventually became the piece uh, that I wrote for GolfShow.com on Sunday night. And uh, apologies, I just snorted. And it has nothing to do with the idea that he cried or that he somehow showed emotion when we're not supposed to show emotion in this situation. That has nothing to do with it. I I wrote in my story tonight that 
there's nothing wrong with showing emotion. Where, where you end up having issues is when you let that emotion impact the outcome. And he clearly did not let that imp- emotion impact his outcome. And I think it had a lot to do. He went on in that quote explaining what Meredith told him, his wife, where you don't know what, what the plan is going forward. And he's a very religious man. And I, you don't have to go too deep into that. But the part that got me was it was an honesty that we don't see, not, not just from Scotty Scheffler. I think it was an honesty we don't see across the board from professional athletes, certainly not PGA Tour Everyone, everyone thinks that. I, I, it, it is such a pet peeve of mine when people are like, oh, no, I'm not going to think about it tonight. Or, no, it's just a regular morning. Of it course is not you're going to think morning. about it. This is not just a career-changing achievement that he was on the precipice of. This is a life-changing. He will forever be known now as a master's champion to say otherwise is utterly ridiculous. And I think it's an insult to all of our intelligence. And I think the idea that he would admit it in that particular case. And I think all of us started scribbling in our notebooks because you're right. I mean, it's the most interesting thing he has ever said in his entire career on the PGA tour. And it was so startling because the idea that he could be, have such a commanding lead and he had not shown any cracks and it seemed like he was on his way to this coronation. It was going to be just one of those magical Sundays that nothing would go wrong. And he's in the fetal position, essentially, because he's worried and he doesn't think he belongs there. That's an honesty that, I, I, first off, I appreciate. And for, for those of us who write for a living and tell stories for a living, we, we really appreciate it. But it's also along the lines of he is secure enough in himself. He's secure enough in who he is as a player and a person that he was willing to, uh, able to admit that in that situation. Scotty in the fetal position will go down uh, in golf central podcast history, along with the visual of Rory trying to rip his shirt. uh, After that still makes me laugh. After after blowing the lead late late last year in Dubai, those two, because it didn't rip cleanly. He struggled with it. You know, he did. Was he rolling on the ground? (laughs) I mean, so now I'm thinking about Scotty in the fetal position uh, being saved by uh, his wife, Meredith, clearly the MVP uh, of this Masters. I sure, Rex, I sure would have loved to get her thoughts uh, and paint that picture of what happened. You didn't get her thoughts? Sunday morning. No, uh, no, I didn't get her thoughts, Rex. Um, there's, there are some obstacles uh, that we encounter while covering tournaments uh, at Augusta National. Uh, this was one of them. And uh, she either declined an interview request or it was declined for her. Uh, But no, I was unable to fill out the details of that story. All right. Uh, Maybe we'll figure them out. Which is a shame. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. Uh, I'm sure we will. Now, the second thing, Rex, uh, that I wrote on GolfChannel.com, obviously a story that you, uh, myself, and our uh, other colleague, uh, Brentley Romine, who is also in our rental house right now, uh, listening to this very podcast uh, recording. We're, of course, following Tiger Woods, the first official start in 17 months since the 2020 Masters when it was played in November. We've talked about it a couple of times on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. Never could have imagined that he would tee it up in the year's first major, and yet there he was, limping, grimacing, hobbling, uh, clearly in pain, but also clearly showing uh, signs, I would say, of what was and, and even potentially what still could be. What were your takeaways from Tiger's 72 holes here at the Masters? 
to be uh, selfish here, I'm going to take a victory lap. One, I picked Scotty Scheffler to win, so I'm going to celebrate you did. that. Oh, my I gosh, did. you did. I forgot about that. That's right. I did not forget. Well done. Right. Yeah, well done. You. I also, and when we were asked how Tiger Woods would fare, I think was the question on GolfChannel.com, and it's out there for the world to see. I just said 72 holes. I think I said top 30 would be right about where he was, and I, I think that's where we ended up. Nope. And worse. there was a well, it was worse, and I know it was worse. Forty seventh uh, out of fifty two places, thirteen over par, three hundred one weekend rounds of uh, eighty eight, uh, which were already the highest score he's ever recorded in the Masters. And I think this has a lot to do. And I guess I was taken by well, two things. One, sort of the triumph of the human spirit when it comes to Tiger Woods, because I don't think any of us can can doubt or debate what kind of pain and everything he overcame to get here. We all saw it. You and I saw it firsthand. I mean, we can, we can sit here and give our anecdotes, but he was in a lot of pain. Just suffice to say, trust us when we tell you that this was not easy for him. There was none of this was theater. He was very and much. I actually, I actually think he was putting on an act to, to shield yes. some of the pain. Like I think he was actually putting on an act to, to make it look like he wasn't, in so much obvious discomfort and you and I both uh, wandered into the uh, champions uh, parking lot at Augusta Dasha where I'm sure we weren't supposed to be just like we weren't supposed to apparently interview uh, the winners, uh, significant others. And, and look, his, his shoes were untied. He was basically dragging his leg. I mean, he was, he was really hobbling. It wasn't like the always oh, got to be careful going down the, the hill at six or boy, he's really taking his time going up the hill at nine. I mean, this was a guy who was in obvious distress and could not get into that ice bath quick enough. And I will tell you this, he was asked and you were down there for his scrum today. Like what motivates you? What drives you to do this? Because it's one thing three years ago when you would ask him to do this and, and trust me, there was plenty of pain. There were plenty of issues he was dealing with then. That was one thing. Cause he was trying to win his 15th major and there was things on the horizon. There was still a mountain to use his words to climb in this particular case, he's made it clear there aren't any more mountains for him to climb. And what he's putting himself through to do this, it's amazing. It's admirable. I, I will tip my hat again for the hundredth time in my career to him because I, I don't know how he was able to go 72 holes. That was, for me, a victory that would have exceeded all expectations, and he did it. Did he post two of his highest rounds ever at Augusta? Yes, he did. I don't know what else we would have expected. It was freezing cold on Saturday. I have never in my entire professional life felt sorry for Tiger Woods. I felt sorry for Tiger Woods on Saturday. That was sad to see him walk around that golf course, clearly in excruciating pain. And I don't know what motivates him at this point, because again, this is a debate that you and I, it's a conversation that we'll continue to have over the next few weeks. Cause this is what we do. Can he win again? Can he contend again? All of these things, the game that I saw this week, as impressive as it is, knowing everything he went through, I don't see how he ever contends again. Cause I, there's just Never not contends a, again. Cause there's just not oh a player my in gosh. there. We should have started. We should have started the podcast with that. <laughs> I mean, you started the week. Saying that, oh, I, 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 think I thought I did. I no, I yeah, I, that I, is I thought wildly unrealistic in retrospect. I thought he could contend. I thought he could be top fifteen. I would have been curious to see what would have happened if not for the hellacious conditions that we had on Friday and Saturday. He hit some great golf shots. 
again, I, I don't want to take the there, good. There is, the good is still there. Like I, I was standing on five. Uh, he had an absolute rocket uh, to about eight feet. Of course, he missed it. Uh, he hit an absolute missile the very next hole on a six, basically, uh, basically tap it. He almost, he almost made an ace. Like the shot in on ten with a five iron on Saturday. I mean, there's, there is still brilliant. good. That shot was brilliant. Still, yeah, there is still good golf in there. It's just going to be harder for him to access it. It's going to be fewer and far between, and the prospect of him doing it over seventy-two holes. I, I mean, I I still contend like the twenty nineteen Masters was was lightning in a bottle. You think of all of the things that had to work in Tiger's favor that week. The the amount of breaks that he got, some of the openings for some of his tee shots went into the fact that he was able to be grouped in the final pairing because the storm the Tea times were moved up uh, because of storms. The first time that it ever happened with the split tea start. I mean, there was just an incredible confluence of events. And I even talk about what happened on 12. Like, like it was just crazy. That was lightning in a bottle for him to win 2019 Masters. I think it's even more improbable for him to win a major championship moving forward. I don't think that's going to happen. Is it, is it unrealistic, unrealistic to say he could win a, a PGA Tour event? I don't know because, I, quite frankly, I don't know how many – Tour I don't think he's going to play. play many. Yeah, I don't think he's going to play many PGA Tour events. He made it clear this afternoon. He told Kara Banks on Sky Sports that he plans on playing the Open Championship at St Andrews, which I think both of us agreed that was probably where he was aiming to. Yeah, there was there. there was no way he was going to be back in time for for uh, Southern Hills for the PGA Championship. That's in that's in one month. The, the amount of recovery and recuperation that's going to be taking place after this Masters is going to be extensive. Then at that point is when he can finally turn his attention then to actually getting stronger and, and fine tuning his game because it, it was clear. I mean, he finished what 23 shots back. Like there's so much that needs uh, for him to be fine tuned. And I don't know. I mean, it's interesting that he, he did mention the PGA championship and he is going to work towards that. What he didn't mention is the U S open, which I found fascinating that he has every plan like he, his, his plan right now is to play St. Andrews in the Open Championship, and I want to try to be at the PGA Championship. Never mentioned the U.S. Open, and, and you could probably read something into that as far as he realizes that even on a limited schedule, within that limited schedule, there's still going to be limited golf courses where he can go out and compete. And my guess is he looks at Brookline as that's probably not the kind of place that I'm going to be able to be able to go out and compete on, not where he's at right now, because it's not going to be a normal schedule. And could he contend if he was playing the Colonials and the Hilton Heads week in and week out? Absolutely. He, he would figure it out. I mean, but there's no to, point to play not, those unless, yeah. unless he, unless he literally just wants to win 83. If he wants to, to be the sole record holder, like he would, he would just like gear up for Colonial one year, but he's not going to, he's not going to do that. No, absolutely. He's not going to do that. So I'll go back to, there was bright spots in his game. I don't know that physically he ever gets better than where he is right now. And that means that the pain may go away. He may not be hurting as much when he plays golf, but it, the limitations are always going to be there. The limitations will always be there, but there's still, I mean, he still has speed. His ball speed still 
in the one seventies, he's still able to to send it out there. He wasn't wasn't like he That's was lagging behind. That's what he said. In, but if you look driving where he distance. In the field and driving distance, it was outside the top fifty, which is the bottom half of the field. Uh, it was the bottom half of the field. That was also super windy, super soft. Like those aren't conditions that are conducive for the style of play that he has. Like he hits, he was hitting like a really high spinning, spinning healy cut drive. Like it wasn't. It certainly wasn't his best. Uh, driving week he still had he still had plenty of speed like seeing him up close and personal like you could tell he was going at it i wouldn't say any dissimilarly uh to any of the top players in the world now is that sustainable with a fuse back and an ankle that's just not going to move uh i don't know i'm not a physiotherapist Uh, i'm not working on him i don't have uh that sort of uh, intimate knowledge uh, of how uh, the body works and operates in that fashion that said, if he feels a little bit better, if he doesn't have that much pain, uh, if he's able to put in more practice time, uh, then yeah, I think he can be sharper. And I would expect him, I'm not going to say to contend uh, at the old course in St. Andrews, but it's the same thing that Augusta National. It's the same thing here. Course knowledge and style of play does matter. Was this a positive week in your mind for Tiger Woods? positive week hmm i think that hmm is it a positive week i don't know why is this throwing you so much i think it was positive in the sense like walking around augusta national hearing the patrons like he he's been many things in his career he has been He's been feared. He's been revered. Uh, he's been a source of intimidation. But this was this was something different. If this was, he was he was respected. the The main sentiment that I got out on the golf course was that people respected him. They were they were clapping not because of his excellent play, but because of the effort uh, that this had clearly undertaken. They weren't. They weren't cheering for, you know, great golf. They were they were cheering because he was he was gutting it out. He, it was almost like a it was almost like a marathoner, like at mile twenty three out of twenty six point two, and everyone along the rope line was just kind of like clapping, cheering, urging him on as he was just head down, gritting his teeth, just trying to get through. Was it a, a sign of progress for his game? No, I actually don't think. It was, and in, in fact, it probably set him back in terms of his his rehab, his recovery, uh, his his the recuperation that's going to have to take place over the next couple of days and weeks for his legend, for him to kind of write the story of his career that he wants to go out on. He he didn't want to go out in that wreck. He didn't want to go out with his leg shattered. He didn't want to go out with questions about what he was doing behind the wheel and and how he could have potentially endangered the second chance uh, in golf that he had with the, with the Hail Mary fusion back surgery Uh, in that sense. Yeah. He was able to, to kind of rewrite potentially a different ending, earn some admiration, earn some uh, respect from his, from his peers and from his fans progress wise with his game. No, I I don't think he made any. I only ask that because by comparison, and you didn't do any radio interviews because you're selfish and you want to keep all these thoughts to yourself and to, to the podcast. 
But I did do a bunch of interviews and I will uh, radio interviews. And I will tell you that I got asked a lot about Phil Mickelson and the situation he's in. And there's a lot of unknowns there. So you're talking around a lot of these situations. But I will say that a couple of times I was asked that's how does Phil sort of change the narrative that he has right now? And the only way in my mind, and I've, I've only seen it a few times throughout the course of my career, to change the narrative is to play better. And Tiger Woods did it. After 2009 and the wreck and the scandal, he simply played better and he won and suddenly he became a champion again, regardless of everything else he had done in his career. And then in 2019, you could argue that he just played better, that forget about everything else that he might have done in Jupiter and the DUI and getting pulled over, that by winning, that that makes all of those things go away. In this particular case, my argument was Phil Mickelson could But at this stage in his life, 50 plus, and the fact that we don't know whether he's suspended or not, we don't know when he's going to play again, he might not get that opportunity to ever play again, to change the narrative. And in this particular case, I think Tiger does have the opportunity, even if he doesn't win. And I I say that I don't think he can contend again, simply because I saw someone that that can play golf, that did hit those shots, that had plenty of really, really bright spots, but is clearly limited, both physically and what he can do with the golf swing. And I just don't know that he, he will be able to compete against the best players in the world. That being said, to your point, I absolutely think him being on the golf course was a triumph of the human spirit because he can change the narrative by going out there and playing because he was the returning champion. Regardless of whatever else he did and where he ended up on the leaderboard, those fans, those patrons – applauded him every step of the way and he was able to change that narrative he was able to change the narrative instead of people wondering now how did you shatter your right leg again it was exactly oh wow look at him gritting it out overcoming uh, being, this, this it, awful, overcoming this he's he's reference. resilient this is a uh, you know a testament to his grit and his toughness and his willpower uh, and all those things i think we associate uh with tiger woods he was able to show it again uh, even if the reasons why he had to um, I think are still a little bit uh, unclear. I do not think we will see him again until the Open Championship. Of course, we were surprised with this Masters no appearance. You don't think any Tulsa? Uh, no. no. I do not think he will show up in Tulsa despite his win there in uh, 2007, nor do I think we will see him at Brookline, site of I, what I believe is his only uh, victorious U.S. Ryder Cup team uh, back uh, with the miracle there. Uh, in 1999 i kind of scoffed the idea everyone's like oh tiger's back like he's just gonna start playing from now on no uh no i don't think that's the case at all i think he plays two majors this year i think he plays the hero pnc with charlie and then we begin major watch again assuming he's still upright at that point uh for 2023 it was a busy week outside of scotty and outside of tiger rory mcelroy this is Rex, he shot 64, tied the lowest final round in Masters history. This is going to be one of those Masters, I think, where if you just look at the final finishes and the results in like five or ten years, you're going to look at Rory's 2022 Masters and be like, whoa, runner-up finish. I mean, he had so many great chances to win at Augusta and just couldn't get it done. Uh, To be clear, he did not factor. In this Masters, he didn't factor on day one. He didn't factor on day two. He didn't factor 
on day three. And quite frankly, he didn't factor, he never factored on, on day, day four. He didn't. He did not. He did not. He got the loudest cheer of the day. He got the loudest cheer. He got the loudest cheer in the day with the hole out from the bunker uh, on the seventy-second hole, Uh, but that only got him within three shots. Yeah, Uh, he did not factor in this Masters. It only got him within three shots because Scotty four putted the last. Like I mean, even that is skewed. He was he was he was five back heading uh, to the seventy-second hole. So, how do you view what some will say is an encouraging Masters performance for Rory? Some will say. Boy, he's definitely no closer to completing that final leg of the career Grand Slam. I always feel like I have to footnote this. It's like that, like what they have to do at the bottom of political ads. But yes, I'm in the bag for Rory on this particular case. I'm afraid to say this is an indication of what Rory is able to do when there's no pressure, and there was no pressure going into this final round. There was no chance he was going to win this. I don't know exactly. Hold on, I'm gonna look it up real quick. Uh, how far back he was to start the final round. But even in his own mind, under the best-case scenario, I can't imagine there was any way he could ever think he was 10 strokes back. He, he, he was never going to think to himself, yeah, I got a chance here. Now, maybe if Scotty bogeys the first hole, doubles the second, and doubles the third, then yeah, maybe if you're leaderboard watching, then the narrative changes. But man, like 10 strokes back, you know. And so... In my mind, what this tells me is he's really comfortable playing without any pressure. And that, to me, is is strange for a player of his caliber because we keep talking about him in the context of, oh, he'll get his green jacket eventually, but they don't come without pressure. I mean, we just had this long conversation about Scotty Scheffler in the fetal position in his rental house in Augusta. Like, these things come with a price, and I don't know that Rory is willing or able to pay that price. Well, that's deep. Um, well, I am can... I wrong? I mean, tell me I'm wrong. And again, I'm in the bag for Rory. I'm a huge fan of what he does for golf and what he does on the golf course. But I'm just, my thought here is, in, in, in I was just taken by the idea, even before he teed off, I was thinking Rory's going to have a good day. Of course no he was. That, was. that was the running joke that Rory's going to go out in 31 and just make a run. I remember, uh, 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 Jim Nance on Saturday, he asked Faldo, like, what do you think of Rory's chances tomorrow? Rory was literally 10 shots back. Like, and yet that's just, that's just the given line. Like, boy, can Rory conjure some magic once again with all the pressure off and just go low? Like everyone, everyone was thinking it. And then of course he went out and actually did it. And he did it in a way that was dramatic and it was fun. And I would argue what happened on the 18th hole was the highlight of the week. And it produced the loudest cheer of the week. And I, I appreciate it. And it shows the level of golf that he's playing right now. I think he's playing very, very good golf right now. I just don't know. And, and this doesn't even apply in my mind to where he may or may not be next month at Southern Hills or where he may not be at the U S open in June or, or in July at the St. Andrews. Like those to me are different animals because I don't think he feels the same pressure at those three this one is so unique and he has owned it and he's been so honest about the idea that this one's going to haunt me if, if i can't get this one i don't get the career grand slam that it's it's probably going to be with me forever it's going to be that cloud that i can't shake this particular case it's as encouraging as it is and i hate to turn a positive into a negative but honestly 
I mean, we all said the same thing. We all looked up at the leaderboard when he started, you know, with birdies and birdies and birdies and birdies and thought, of course he's going to do this because he knows he has no realistic chance of winning. It's not a bad thing. It's just kind of an honest thing. It is. And just kind of perusing his press conference transcript, I wasn't in there, wasn't paying attention to Rory because, again, he did not factor in this final round regardless of what uh, the final leaderboard may say and, and look he's saying i think all these memories are building up you know he shot a good round with tiger he shot 66 back in 2015 he's had some other good rounds to get in position obviously in 2011 uh, he was very good over 54 holes and so you know you just don't know how much the pressure is affecting him before the tournament he's tried basically every conceivable option of dealing with the pressure and the stress and it's not just Masters related, although, of course, uh, that's the big one, and it's affecting, uh, I would say, his legacy. He's also eight years removed, Rex, from any major championship of any kind, and there are some reasons for that. I think I would, I would argue his, his putting has greatly improved over the past couple years. Uh, his iron play currently uh, is the biggest reason holding him back, and either anecdotally or there's actually evidence with statistics. Like he just gives too many shots away over the course of route. It's an untimely three, putt. it's a, it's, it's failing to get up and down. It's, it's not capitalizing uh, on an easy par five. Those little things matter in a major championship and they matter when you're going up against a guy like Scotty Scheffler, who's, who's riding this serious heater, those little miscues, they're not even miscues those little failed opportunities uh, are, are the reason why he finished three shots back and probably should have been five shots back. If not for Scotty's uh, ugly finish on the 72nd hole. Well, and there's something to, to do or something to say for how he starts these tournaments. He started 73, 73 this week, which in my mind actually was not terrible compared to where he has been in the past. In this particular event, Scotty Shuffler had just played so much better that he was behind the eight ball and he had to make up so much ground in that in that case. I'll go back to the idea that he's playing well enough. I, I don't doubt that he can play this golf course and that he can win on this golf course. I just think the harder it gets, and, and he referenced it this week, the idea that it's 13 years now on, and he's still trying to win this, I, I don't know that it's going to get any easier for him. This year was probably going to be one of the easier years that I could possibly imagine for all the reasons that we've already discussed. Tiger Woods coming back after the accident, Phil Mickelson not being here. If there was ever going to be a window when he was going to be able to show up at this event and not have all of those questions, all of this second guessing around everything that he was doing, this was going to be it. And for him to, it, it, you hate to, again, you hate to turn a positive into a negative, but for him to do this in the final round, it kind of shows you that he can do this. This golf course is easy for him if there's no pressure. But you put any kind of pressure on him as far as the green jacket goes, and he just can't perform. Very sad. Um, what else stood out, Rex? Uh, for me, it was Justin Thomas, one of the pre-tournament favorites, saying he somehow just could not get in the moment in what I think was the most bizarre round of the week, that opening 76, in which he hit the, the, literally the best iron player on the planet. Uh, hit only six screens in regulation and what was uh, a reasonably uh, decent scoring day. Dustin, Dustin Johnson's driver uh, is still causing him fits. John Rahm 
uh, former world number one, now a distant world number two. Didn't have it at all. Could just kind of scrape by just to make the cut. Was able to piece together a 69 alongside Tiger uh, when it didn't really matter. And then a couple other surprises. Jordan Spieth, uh, we mentioned on the podcast last week, he was the ultimate question of uh, course history versus current form. Uh, and apparently current form, uh, that being that being bad, uh, one out with Jordan Spieth missing the cut in the Masters for the first time. And even Brooks Kepka, back-to-back years now uh, with missed cuts at Augusta National last year. Understandable, certainly, uh, with the, the knee issues that he was dealing with. This time, very bizarre. Uh, it seems like he needs to go back uh, to the drawing board with, with putting coach Jeff's, uh, Jeff Pierce and try to figure out what's going on there because it's it's not not in a great uh, not in a great spot at the moment. What kind of stood out to you? Well, we talk about Burke sort of turning that corner, right? And I think I've said this a couple of times that sort of wake me up and shake me when we get to the end of the major championship season after the Open Championship. If Burke still hasn't contended or hasn't done anything special, then remind me and I'll tell you my thoughts on Brooks Kepka because I felt like you could flip the switch. Like he's done it before. We've seen him do it so many times before that he'll do it again, that he'll get to the major championships. He'll figure out a way to play. He played awful this week. And I'm starting to reevaluate the idea that maybe we just need to realize that he is what his score says he is. And in this particular case, he's not a very good golfer. Like he seems to be struggling right now in those events that mean so much to him. And you're right. I think whether if it's if he's not 100% healthy, if he's still dealing with health issues, if somehow the putting got off and he lost confidence, and we all know that's the hardest thing to get back, whatever the case may be, there's an issue there. I guess if I had to pick one thing as far as on the other side of the, you know, sort of the spectrum to focus in on, it's going to be Bryson. He shot a second round 80. I mean, he clearly is not physically ready to play golf, and I don't know hearing him talk in Austin, hearing him talk the next week about how the hand is injured, but it's 80% and 80% is good enough to, to compete on the PGA tour. It's clearly not good enough to compete on the PGA tour, but I don't know that he has the discipline to sit out and to do the things that he needs to do to get this healthy. That's the problem. And I did see Bryson DeChambeau. He was actually out following Big Tiger. Problem. Uh, I saw so Bryson Shamble, he's following Tiger. Why was he still in town? Normally, he can't get out of town fast enough. In fact, uh, seeing him, uh, he did not speak to reporters after his miscut on Friday. I thought the next time we'd see him would probably be PJ Championship, give him a little bit of time uh, to rest and recuperate. And yet there he was, walking around with his uh, girlfriend, his manager, walking around with Team Tiger. What, what, a, what, a, what a great sight. Uh, when it comes to Bryson's game, I'm with you. He is in a bit of a pickle because what he has with this fractured handmade bone in his left hand, it is a four-month injury. And he can talk about how uh, he rushed back because he wanted to play in the Masters and he just had to give it a go. But there's a reason why that is a four-month injury, and he is now at the two-month point. He's not ready. His hand's not ready. His game's not ready. And it's not going to get ready. I follow uh, a guy on, uh, on Twitter by the name of Dr. Uh, David Chow. He um, is really helpful during like fantasy football season where he can diagnose injuries uh, with, with an alarming, alarmingly accurate rate 
of success just by just by watching the video replays. And he has been on this Bryson story for the past couple of months. And his point, Rex, is that he needs surgery. This will not heal on its own. He thinks that sitting out will do the trick. It will not. It will eventually need that little fractured bone is eventually going to have to be removed. And then it is a two-month recovery. Well, that's a bit of a pickle here because now we're in the heart of the major season. If he is out for two months, that knocks him out of the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open. And quite frankly, he's just not going to be recovered in time with his game to to even think about continuing in the Open Championship, which is a major uh, based on his high ball flight and style of play, which has not been conducive to success anyway. So what do you do? Do you grit it out and undergo surgery in August or September after the President's Cup, which right now he would uh, – I would I would certainly think, first of all, he's not going to be uh, automatically qualified, and he certainly wouldn't be a pick from Davis Love III. Or do you do it now? Do you bite the bullet now? Try and get right. Because uh, at this point, April 10th, my birthday, your anniversary, uh, it does seem like we're on the verge of a lost year for Bryson DeChambeau, unfortunately. Uh, and that's, and we're speculating uh, based on apparently your Twitter doctor who you seem to have a lot of confidence. I trust in. him. I trust uh, him fully. Uh, if he, here, he, here, he says typically an injury seen in baseball or hockey players, the hook of the hamate bone fracture does not heal fully without surgery. When injured, it limits the ability to grip. That is why surgery would be inevitable for DeChambeau and his injured left hand after surgery. The recovery timetable is about two months. The PGA Tour season runs through late August. Now would be an ideal, ideal time for DeChambeau to get surgery. Uh, I trust my. The, I trust this Twitter doctor. To, with, 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 with respect to your Twitter I, doctor, I, 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 I trust my Twitter doctor with my life. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna defer to Bryson on this one. I, I'm not sure he's making the right decisions. And look, there's been plenty of instances. The PGA Tour is littered with players who don't make right decisions when it comes to injuries. I think surgery is always going to be the last resort. That's the last thing anyone wants to do. Certainly if you're Bryson and you've sort of gone down this path of speed and everything that he does, I'm not quite sure in his mind it makes sense to him to have someone cut into his hand at this point in his career. He may end up there. You might be your Twitter doctor might be absolutely right, but I think I'm going to go ahead and side with Bryson in this particular case, simply because he's probably got some opinions that aren't on Twitter. I'm going to break from the norm here and just ask you in your honest hearts of hearts. And, and you have to look deep inside yourself. I don't want you edging or, or, or trying to play around the edges on this whatsoever. Over under on what you're going to shoot tomorrow. What is it? I'm going to go with 82 and a half. And the hook. Got it. Yeah. Hook. Sure. Whatever. I'm not sure how gambling. <laughs> I'm not sure how gambling works, but I do think it'll either be below 82 and a half or potentially above 82 and a half. What, what is, what is your, what is your pick? Am I, my, am I over or under? Uh, if, if you're setting it at 82 in the hook, I'm going to take the over, not by a whole lot. And you're right. You hit the ball pretty well at Palmetto. I was, I was pretty impressed with you. Your short game was awful. And as we have said in the past, and awful. I, don't, I don't want to give away any more secrets. It, it wasn't great. I mean, come on, man. I mean, in mine wasn't either. I'm not throwing stones here. It, it's a very, very hard golf course. 
I mean, you end up on the wrong side of the hole. You end up having to chip into these weird, weird places. It, it is Augusta National without the green grass. And I don't want to give away anything else about Palmetto because I'm tired of it being crowded on my my beautiful Sunday before the Masters. But it, it is really Augusta National without the green grass. So based on your short game, I'm, I'm going to take the over. Not by a whole lot, but I'm going to take the over. All right, let's change it to 84 and a half. Well, you can't do that. Uh, I now. think. Well, I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably going to have at least five or six three putts. Uh, You're not even very with, good at gambling. Even, you can't do that guy. after I've already taken the over. That's true. All right. The, the I, I guess the main question is: Do we have an emergency podcast to dissect my entire round in forensic detail? It sounds like the most narcissistic thing I've ever heard. But if that's what you want, then I'll gladly jump on a podcast with you tomorrow night, and we can go over. it. No, I hate oh, that. No, I can't. I, I, I've got a lacrosse game at seven o'clock. If it's because you love your family, game, I'll do it. Because you love your family. Uh, no, I don't want to do that, and it, it annoys me to no end when writers write about their round there, talk about how it's it. such a spiritual, uh, spiritual experience. Don't uh, I'm not. I'm not into that. Uh, I will. I will let you know how I fare. Uh, it is way past my bedtime. Actually. Let's make it 80, 86 and a half since I'm staying up oh, way past my bedtime. Now. Have an early start. I got a pack. I'm going to take the under now. Charge. 86 and a half? 86 and a half. Yeah, I'm taking the under. All right, fine. All right, I win. All right. Thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Be sure to check out golfchannel.com for my reports, Rex's reports, Brentley's reports. And if I'm feeling frisky, uh, we'll talk about my round at Augusta National during Wednesday's edition of Writer's Block. I know you guys have been uh, dearly missing that over the past week. He'll be back this week. Don't you worry. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.